I was not expecting that. <laughs> I really was not. I was. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I was not. <laughs> was that like your Martin impression? Mm hmm. Yep. What happened? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you always have the best impressions. Listen, man. Personations. Yo, yes. Today, that was today is today is a very very uh, interesting, deep, much needed. Yeah, I think this conversation is long overdue. Mm. Long overdue because we and, talk and, about it. And, but in, in many circles as well, not yeah. just this circle, long overdue. Listen, y'all, let's just get, let's just get right to it. It's your favorite campus uncle. It's Uncle Fred. I'm here with my sister in pain, struggle, and also in victory. The Liberated Project Chick is in the building. How you doing, baby? Hey, guy. Hey. What's hey, good? girl. Hey. You know how we do it. And we have with us a special, special guest special guest a beautiful special guest yes beauty beauty is her name yeah Ooh. beauty is her name Be- beauty does not do any justice to does the not. soul and spirit of this young lady here that is with us today would you like to introduce yourself or should i continue to introduce you <laughs> hi guys <laughs> it's fatu it's fatu Fatu, Fatu is in the building, y'all. Fa, give this is us, special. Give our crowd, give our, our our audience here just a brief introduction in terms of who you are and what you do. Who I am and what I do. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where you from? <laughs> Hi, I'm from Brooklyn. Um, I'm a junior at Buffalo State. And yeah. What's your major? Fashion design. Mm-hmm. And a fashionista she is. Fatu is nervous than a motherfucker right now. Like, they had me come up here and I, it was unexpected. Like, don't do that. I'm, I'm a very. No, you know, but you know why? We invited you because this this converse, this conversation right here, I feel because we've spoken about this before. Yeah. We've spoken about this in great detail. And I just feel that you would add another element. Right. Another As a element. student, mm-hmm. you would add so much to this because there's so many students who listen to us. But sometimes they don't really get what they need until they hear their peer. Mm hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's another level of validation. Right. Or, and then, another level of validation, but it also offers them, Fatu, a space to speak from the vantage point of the college students that we're speaking to. And then also, another layer with us speaking to their parent and how to have difficult conversations. Absolutely. So, Fatu. Tamara. Yes. What we will talk about today is mental health. Mm. Now, mental health is such a big thing. It's such a broad subject. It is. But I want to talk about mental health in relations to uh, college students. Okay. You know, and um, what it is that, let this be, let, so let's try to create like not only a, uh, um, an informative environment, but a learning environment, you know, because the reason why we ask for Fatu to engage in this conversation is because she is a student. And, you know, as a student, there might be some things that we might not know or mm-hmm. might not be aware of right. in terms of like your mental health triggers, activities, behaviors, coping mechanisms, you know, there's some, some common language right. that right. Um, students might be now. Right. And I um, just think, and I just think it's time because I don't like you, you, you don't hear a lot of us, our people on this campus really, really diving deep into the mental health condition 
of students. Well, I think. Well, I think there's a multitude. Some of us. There's, but I think there's so many complex reasons around it. I think there's so many um, things that hinder really having the conversation about mental health. You know, um, from again us as faculty and staff member, and even the administration. One, we're having to even talking about the diagnosis of whether it is a mental health issue or a disorder, and then when you're thinking about whether individuals who might either have a mental health issue or disorder, are they even owning that? It's kind of like when you're thinking about accessibility services, how many individuals that are on this campus that have some form of a learning disability, but don't want to check the box because they're fearful of being labeled. Right. So there's so many undercurrent scenarios. There's so many undercurrent um, factors that lead into it and not to mention thinking about when we were growing up our grandparents and great-grandparents mental health and seeing a psychologist or a psychiatrist was taboo it's like ain't nothing wrong with you boy ain't nothing wrong with you girl and you know we don't do that exactly you, you, you better go your... pray to Jesus and get have a seat get a glass of water <laughs> I don't mean to lie, but that was the remedy. Really, wasn't it? That was the remedy for everything. Everything. You better go sit in the corner, go pray to God. <laughs> you better go pray everything. to Jesus. You know, Jesus, he fix it. Right. He fix it. Ain't nothing you wrong know. with you. So I think how how we would like to uh, tackle this issue, we want to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, discussing a variety of different things. Simple things, though. I don't want to make it too complicated. I don't want to make it too yeah, complex. Yeah. You know, like for an example, um, here here's a question. Okay. Is this for Fatu or myself or both? For anybody. Right? Okay. Um, when it comes to students who are battling with both mental issues or mental disorder, mm-hmm. is there resources on this campus that are enough to help um, address and to relieve Mm. or you know or to um, correct the mental health of students so so before we go into the answer let's make a um, differentiation Hold on, you got to do a disclaimer because this this going right. to be... A, a, disclaimer, again, for the love of Fred yeah. and I and yeah. Nafatu, these are our experiences, mm-hmm. our comments, our feelings based off of our walks in life and right. things that we have, have seen with our own eyes and even experienced with our own beings. Right. So now to get the right. differentiation. Right. Get, get <laughs> right. If God you don't, you're going to get left. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So sorry, the differentiation um, disorders, mental um, mental health disorders sure. have been diagnosed. You've been diagnosed by a physician and you're currently taking medication or prescribed a medication. Sure. An issue, a mental health issue could be around sleep deprivation. It could be around anxiety. It could be around eating, whether you're not eating enough or you're overeating due to depression, due to midterms, due to financial challenges, relationships. It could be a number of things. Let me ask you something, uh, Fatu, as a student. What are some of the things that students are stressing about? Mm. Let's start there. Well, for one, <laughs> school. Um, what about school? Um, I feel like, well, me personally speaking, um, it's just it's stressful. I don't know. Like some of the teachers, they they give out too much work, and it's just like it loads and piles up. And then some of us don't know time management, so we mm. don't know like when or however you say to um, you know just manage that. And sorry. And you know just get it done. Um, Do you has, think? So has the time management, do you believe from your experience as your junior, right? Yeah. As a junior, 
and from your friends, individuals that are in your major, do you think the time management has always been an issue or do you think time management might be more of an issue right now because you're at the end of your collegiate career? Mm, I feel like a lot of us just probably didn't learn how to manage our time wisely. Mm. If that makes sense. Prior to yeah, like coming to college. college? Well, my personal experience, like I didn't know what, like how to manage my time. So being here, it I was, agree. I didn't either. It was um, still known sometimes. It was like, it was new. And a lot of us don't know like discipline. Mm. Also, like, You better say that. Having to just, you know, prioritize what comes first. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that, that, yeah. Okay. You get ready to ask another question? Yeah. Um, What does Fatu do in order to relieve stress? Mm. I journal. Wonderful. Love it. I love to journal because I'm an overthinker. You about to journal about my ass making you do this shit right now. (laughs) I really, I overthink things and, you know, I have all this other stuff. So I like to just release it through like just writing Mm -hmm. so that's how I kind of relieve stress um solitude Mm -hmm. I love being alone and just play some music and what kind of music do you listen to top five dead or alive Uh oh here we go I love R&B not not this like new R&B the classic R&B the 90s define classic (sighs) does classic really have definition <laughs> right, and the classic could be again the definition of the person. Yeah, again. Okay, you 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 like what you like, goddammit. Okay, exactly. okay. So you listen to music. You're mm-hmm. by yourself. Yeah, you're journaling. The, the, what you're journaling? What's mm-hmm. the room look like? It's dark, and I have like little lights in my room. Oh, so it's like you know, a little dim, mm-hmm. calm and quiet. Ambiance. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was younger. I wouldn't say journaling, but oftentimes, like, I will find myself writing something, yeah. writing something down, you know? Um, it's very cathartic. It is very cathartic. I always felt like when I was stressed out mm-hmm. and I would listen to music, I would listen to some, like, dark sounding music like so, I would listen to like like the Mob Deeps I would listen to the DMX I would listen mm. to like the Scarface cause like they had this certain sound that matched what I was feeling at the time mm. you know what I'm saying so like for an example like I'll never forget my go to when I was going through a lot of stuff I would always listen to like DMX's first album and the first thing I would do is I would listen to the prayer. Mm, That's the first, yeah. like out of all the tracks, I would listen to the prayer. Then I would start listening to, like he had, DMX created this character called Damien. Damien was like the devil. Mm. And the devil would talk to DMX, trying to convince him to do a lot of evil stuff, you know, and justify like a lot of stuff. And that's how, I identified for me that's how I was feeling when like I would get deep down into some stress or some depression right I would feel like something is talking to me mm-hmm. telling me that I need to do this bad thing over here oh make you feel good or I need to go out and get drunk or I need to go and have sex with this girl you know like I just So is it so but yeah I'm 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 hearing that in you know this. So for me, in in the spiritual space that I occupy right now, because um, I, you know, there, for me, there's a difference between being religious and spiritual, and this whole concept of of the devil. Is that the devil, or is it more of our ego? I don't know. That's, you know, I don't know. It, it was for me. For me, it wasn't something human. It was something external. It wasn't internal. It was something externally motivating me to do something that would hinder me. And and the and the thing that triggered it was always stress. So and I and that's just me. That's just I'm that's just me. Because when I would listen to music and stuff like that, right? 
the music was a way for me to figure it out. Okay, so so because again, I'm still on that, but that that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, mm. so you're talking about the ways in which you decompress. Fatu just shared the ways in which she decompressed, but then before that, when you asked the question about resources, yeah, are they enough? So was what you did was it enough for you? you and, Honestly, and, it had to be. You know why? Because when I was a student here at Buff State, I didn't know that Weigel had counseling. Really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that you had to just... You I had thought options. Weigel, I thought Weigel was like a clinic. Where you go to get your teeth cleaned you, you, and you get no, an aspirin. No, you go there... For like STDs? Yep. I just thought that's what it was. <laughs> I just, hey, you need to go there, get checked out, go get cleaned up, bro. Homie, go, 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 you need to go to Mike Weigel. You know, that's all I thought it was. I didn't know that there was this whole different Yeah, the dental clinic, element. counseling. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know wow. that. Wow. So, so Fatu, as a junior... Can you recall, bring us in on when you first found out about the Counseling Center or Weigel Health Center and when you were aware, if you are aware, that they offer counseling services for scholars who are going through? I don't really remember when Mm -hmm. I found out about the Weigel Center, but I do remember my first time visiting the center. And... That experience wasn't a great one. Mm. So what year were you, if you wouldn't mind us asking? literally last year. Okay, your sophomore year. year. Okay. Um, So what was it, what was, if, if, again, remember, only share what you're comfortable with sharing, right? And if it's something that you're not comfortable with, we respecting all of that space. So was it, what, what was it? that was uncomfortable about the experience or was it a pleasant experience? Um, I was just going through a lot, like with family, mm-hmm. um, all that other stuff. And I have this thing, I know a lot of other people like have it too, where I don't feel like I need therapy or counseling, mm. but I came to the realization that I really, you really did. Really was there it. a bad stigma? Because I know that when I thought about counseling, the first thing I would say is, ain't nothing wrong with me. Yeah, like I feel like us, specifically as black people, yep. we feel like we're, we're we're strong enough like to just endure what we go through. And like going to therapy is just like a symbol of just being like weak or mm. like, you know. Vulnerable. Exactly. And I feel like we need to break out of that. Cause like there's no weak like it's not a weakness to you know go and seek help or mm-hmm. to be vulnerable. There's probably like a lot of strength in actually being vulnerable. Oh, absolutely, because there's beauty in vulnerability. Yeah. So, um, I went in and it wasn't the best experience because the person that I got she wasn't very sympathetic to mm-hmm. my problems. And she kind of laughed at it. Well, not laughed, but she made laugh. Laughed at it. I yeah, she kind of chuckled a little bit, but like you know. And I was really like on the verge of tears, and she just wasn't. It wasn't getting to her. Like it just wasn't you know there. So after that, I just realized like you know I've I can go through it like on my own. And to this day, I still feel like I can. I push it in the back of my mind when things happen or like you know, reoccurring themes happen in my life. And like, you know, I just realized like, yeah, I might need it, but I don't know if I push it back because I feel like I can heal myself. Mm. Like I'm okay. Mm. I'm strong. So uh, in, Mm. do you believe part of your narrative and you're strong enough and you can push that back. Do you believe it is tied in any way to that negative experience? So you, the one moment you wanted to be vulnerable with someone, a female who probably didn't look like you, am I right? No, she, she didn't look like mm-hmm. you. Okay, yep. Didn't look like you. And then she kind of chuckled at you when you went to, you know, again, I'm, I'm extending myself because I know that I need to have a conversation. Do you think that, have you been back? No. Okay. So, and I thought, I, but I didn't want to make any assumptions. Do you believe that that might be part of why? Um, yeah. 
it is a part of it. Yeah, I do think so. Because why would I want to go back if I feel like I'm going to mm-hmm. have that same experience again? Like, mm-hmm. where someone's going to devalue what I, mm-hmm. like, my experiences, right. you know? So it's just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to go through that. Nobody wants to really mm-hmm. go through that. Where, like, you're being vulnerable with the person and they're not really and you feel like you were judged you feel like you were judged well not judged but more so like made light of like so that's like she made a form of a judgment because she that means she judged your scenario because it wasn't it it wasn't like oh i'm cutting my wrist and i'm getting ready Mm -hmm. to jump off the porch yeah i feel like no matter what like this is just for anyone like no matter like what experiences that they go through like let's say the next person comes and there's no measurement of how great or light it is. Like Mm -hmm. an experience is still an experience that has shaped the way that you like, you know, look at the world. It may have traumatized you in a certain way. Like little things can be triggers. Yeah. Can cause trauma. So I felt like, yeah, she, she kind of like devalued what I was going through in a way. Can I ask, both of you a question what do you think is the biggest or the most known mental health concern for students in color on a college campus I would say depression is significantly on the rise which is also then leading to suicide our number of suicides are up there was a time and point where people of color didn't commit suicide, but depression definitely, and I think depression stemming from a different from different avenues, different different vantage points. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if vantage point is the correct word, but different spaces, different intersections. I think they're depressed because. They live in a very noisy world. Technology has really, I believe, done just as much good as bad for them because everything is about a validation. Everything is about a like. Everything is about a share. Everything is about, oh, my goodness, you know, how I have filters where I can change the color of my eyes. I can put stars and quasars and hearts around my head to make me look angelic. Like all of this falsehood that social media is again, propaganda mm-hmm. our scholars and when they're not getting that support, that love that hey girl, hey then they think that something's wrong with them and then they begin trying to change or contort and fit into these boxes in these spaces that they don't belong in and then bullying is on the rise because of that as well, so there's cyber bullying and, yeah, they're, de- and they're depressed when all the way around suicides have been committed because of yeah, bullying. absolutely indeed so definitely um depression so what do you think fatu mm, i think depression as well and anxiety mm. um, yeah let's talk about anxiety because i i Nas was here earlier yes and we had this conversation outside the podcast and we were talking about i posed a question i said when do you think anxiety became a real thing for the black community. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't remember in the 90s or even in the 80s where people of color were talking about anxiety. Right. So is it, but... Just because we weren't talking about it doesn't mean it didn't exist. So well, that's is what it, I'm saying. Right. It's, so is it so is it now that when did it become a popular trending? I don't know if I'm necessarily popular trending. I think it might be exposure. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. See, so when did it become exposed? I think now I don't you know, I don't watch a lot of television, but I think TV advertisement media has again given us this. It's okay for us to be like, okay, yeah, are you depressed? You know what? Well, you might be anxious. Oh, here, take a pill. Like we so are over medicated. Everything is about okay. We'll take this, lay down, do this, scratch this, and then when you look at all of these TV shows that are on, what is it? Date? What? What is it called? Nighttime shows? What is it like? Date? Y'all know what I'm talking the about. Night, the nightline shows. Yeah, the nighttime shows, whatever they call. Okay. You're you're seeing so. You're seeing young people 
dealing with these issues. They were like, oh my goodness. Like one of the shows that Oprah Winfrey, um, I can't, I think it was either Greenleaf, something like that. And it was the family with um, the one daughter who the father, the pastor, I know what I'm talking about. Sure. Yeah. 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 Was I, it Greenleaf? Green right. Yeah. And then the one, the one sister went away, but she came back and he was the one, she was the one that was supposed to kind of take on the family church and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And she had the daughter and then the son and his wife and yep. daughter were living in the house and then the door that his daughter she was like oh yeah she had the one girl taking the pill she was like oh yeah i suffer from anxiety or something she was already taking medication and she was all a 13 or 14 it's normalized and i think that's where a lot has come in these um mental health issues anxiety and let me say that so here's the deal remember our disclaimer we're not saying that it is not real yeah we're not saying it is not real mm-hmm. however i do believe we live in a culture of what's in it for me i do believe we live in a culture where okay um hey look at me because you know i'm needing some attention so if that means i have to kind of act out in some way just to get that then okay here it is because it seems to be or because someone on a TV show might have some of the same symptoms that you do, then you we're self-diagnosing. Oh, well, that, that must means I'm ang- I'm anxious, too. You know, I, I remember, see, back in the 90s I and mean, in the 80s, right, there right. was this thing we call ADD and ADHD. Yes. Yeah. Right. And that became a thing. You know, every kid. Every black and brown Every boy. Every black and brown kid, right, who couldn't sit down, who had all this energy. They wanted to label them. Right. You wanted to label them as ADD and ADHD. And, and then put then, them in special education. And they made it lucrative and they made it economical and capitalized off of it. And now they're selling drugs, right? Ritalin. Medic- Ritalin, all this other medication just to make you sit down and feel Drowsy and and just whatever and sedated. And but sedated. Here, but but talking to that, I remember reading an article when they're talking about the um, black and brown boys who are you know on real and, and now all blue, all all kids doesn't matter what color they are all kids at that young age on that are they supposed to be sitting down like that at that particular age? They're rambunctious. They are curious. They want to touch. They want to feel. That's why as an educator, I love the Stephen Covey um, platform. It's a lighthouse school where again, they teach children about leadership roles and every kid in the classroom has a role. You do something, you do something, you do something, you do something. So in that way you give them something to do. Somebody's taking something down to the office. Somebody's at the board with the teacher doing the problem. Somebody's collecting all, come on. Right. And everybody has a job and everybody feels important. And guess what? They get an opportunity to do what? Use that energy productively. They use that energy in a way that what moves in concert with what's happening within the classroom kids shouldn't be sitting down that long listen i teach now and i can't sit down that long i went to a conference and there was this phenomenal uh black um um, educator who was speaking about uh children of color Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how we black folks right are rhythmic people by nature right we don't want to be sitting down we don't want like we need to move we don't want to be dormant we don't want to be complacent we want to move around we want to bounce around and he was talking about when do you think kids are the most busiest in the elementary level and i was third and fourth grade around there he was like kindergarten and fourth grade yep i knew third and fourth kindergarten and fourth grade he was like now if you were to go to hong kong china Mm -hmm. Right. And you were to compare kindergarten and their students and how they teach compared to ours is completely different because they know that's like kids at that age. They want to run around. Right. So, you know where they hold kindergarten at? All their kindergarten classes are outside. Right. I'm going to show you something out and about. I'm going to show you something. Let's speak to this. I'm going to tell you, I thought it was the best thing. Oh, 
so what we're watching, we're watching a clip of these, it look like Asian students. Yep. Got to be there's about a, kindergarten. There's a clip of Asian students. I don't see nine, nine one desk anywhere. They are dancing. They are singing. They are moving. They are jumping. They are having a great time. All this time. You know what's crazy? In America, if that's a black class, they all got ADD and ADHD. Right. You know what? It. I think that was the start. I think that's the, that was the start of the the the, ep, the mental epidemic that's happening now. I think that was the start. ADD and ADHD. You can't tell him kids. nothing. He was getting it. He sure was. <laughs> but I think that was the start. I think that was the start of it. And now, fast forward. These are the very same kids that are now in college. Or these are the very same people who are adults and got kids. And they act the same way. I'm saying, um, do you think that, first of all, you do understand that there is a difference between mental health issues and mental health conditions, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you think, do, do you think that there's more mental health issues on campus or conditions? Disorders, you mean? Or, disor- disorders. or disorders? It's hard. I, I don't. It's hard to say because just based off your observation. I don't know because so again, as an individual who worked in pharmaceuticals, right? You did. I was a drug pusher. Yep. I didn't worked know that the- shit. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yep. So Learn something um, new every day. Mm-hmm. I'm your pusher, man. Hey, <laughs> um, not everybody's compliant. So in order, you know, for us to say, you know, how many of them have, you know, issues versus disorders in the medication and things of that nature, I don't know. But I would I'm wanting to and not necessarily in a selfish way, if we if I had to put if I did what I'd like, I'd rather for them to have more issues than disorders because disorders is more serious than the issues. Have you seen the clip of the black man that stopped the um, the mass shooter attempt? Which There's one? a clip. There's a clip that's going around Mm-mm. and it's a brother, a black brother. He's a teacher. Got to be a gym teacher or something. I don't know because he was dressed in shorts and, mm-hmm. you know, um, but there was an attempt of a mass shooting that was happening. What state? I don't know. I don't know, but it was... It was, was it recently? Yeah, it was recent. It was an active shooter type of situation. And uh, what happened was, was that you you can't hear the clip, but you can see that this black guy mm-hmm. found this white kid who had, like, a gun, like, a semi-automatic like gun, mm-hmm. right? And the teachers, the everybody's running from him. Matter of fact, it's right here. Uh, it's a stunning surveillance footage shows Oregon coach, an Oregon, Oregon coach, mm-hmm. disarming student, then embracing him before police arrive. Okay, I'm gonna let you guys see it. Okay, but um, so pretty much the student was going around trying to or making an attempt to kill folks and here's a clip as you know you will see but the point that I'm trying to make is is that he didn't he wasn't scared he wasn't Mm. frightened instead what he did instead of like combating him with physical violence he embraced him he embraced him he did something different Right, he embraced him. He continued to embrace him, and it wasn't long before after he embraced him that the dude dropped the gun. He grabbed the gun from him and gave it right to, to another, another student, student, and they ran out. Right, mm-hmm. but you can see during this whole time that this kid was missing mm-hmm. something. Look at him; he's touching his face. Wow, you know, like he was like something was something wasn't right with this kid, and then he meets this Oregon coach who doesn't look nothing like him. Mm. 
Mm. Embraces him Touching Like he's touching his face wow. You know I can only imagine What he's saying to the kid mm-hmm. You know well, It sounds like he, it, he And there's And there's a bullying, lot and, like, there's, and, and think about it right We talk about mental We talk about Mental health Issues Concerns Disorders Conditions Whatever you want to say yeah. Right And there's these behaviors That come with them Yeah Look, look at our ma- Mass shooting rates mm-hmm. That is happening in America Right Almost like Every month there's yeah. at least one, right? And you know what? So now there is a saying for individuals that work in schools, not if it's happened, when it will happen. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, it really is. So, and that's one of the other thing. You know, one that that's another aspect of this conversation. We have to get at figuring out what's going on. There was this great video that was shown, and I want to see if I can find it, and maybe we can show a clip of it. They were like um, showing again these. They were following these students around, 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 and you're watching it, and you're watching it, and there were all of these clues that this one kid was one male Caucasian young man was exhibiting and nobody picked up on. Mm. He wrote like, I think he may have wrote hate in, in his desk. He showed all these other signs, but we were concentrating on the other individuals in the movie and missed it. And that's part of what the challenges were so inundated as faculty, teacher, staff, all the complexities and all of the multiple demands on our time that sometimes we don't have the opportunity to sit down to say, hey, Fatu, how are you? How, you know, what's going on? And I believe that's one of the things that's different about our classrooms and our experiences and why you have so many students in your office. You know, I have so many students in my office. Naja has so many students in his office, you know, because we're showing them that they care. We touch them. We say, we, we, I miss you. How are you? Hey, beautiful. Hey girl. Hey, hey guy. Hey. And a lot of times our students are missing that. I remember when I was working in student life, there was a scholar Um, She was on USG and her mother suffered from mental. um, I'm not I'm not certain if it was issues or medication. I want to say medication because she said she had never done anything with her mom because she only know her mom to be sick. Mm. Sick from the medication. Mm. Right. Well, she had to be on the medication because of her mental issues. Right. Right. So oh, then the God. students come with that, trying to unpack it, trying to be their very best selves when they know that they have a sick parent at home. Then mental health issues from what? All of the sexual abuse. When I physical tell you abuse, the physical abuse, abuse the f- sexual yeah. abuse, the verbal abuse, when I tell you I have at least in every one of my classes over the last three years known at least one to two of my scholars that have been sexually abused. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then talking about how many of them are unpacking that and they're carrying those invisible scars around with them trying to be okay and push it in the back of their minds. Right. They have so, there's so much to contend with because within our communities and even communities all over we're not we're not having these open and honest conversations isn't it crazy how by the time you get to college you're so damaged and then and then you're numb and then we as professionals are telling you this is a time where you find yourself and you're supposed to be the happiest in your life listen when Fatu when I walked into this room Fatu what was the first thing I said to you I miss you, Fatu. Where you been? Right. Paraphrasing. Yes. Like, yes, paraphrasing, because I said a lot more than that. Right. Right. But I genuinely mean that. And you could tell, and that that meant something to her, because guess what? She just lit up. Did it mean something to you? She just lit up. Right. I'm glad it did. Yeah, she just lit up. You know, but I I can only imagine, because you, you, you spoke a lot about things that have happened in the past that still stick mm-hmm. in the soul and in the mind and that creates footprints forever 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 right and i mean i could just think like i i have students we all do right but I, today 
Today, I have students who have these footprints mm-hmm. on their minds, and their hearts, their souls uh, that have been placed on them that have to deal with physical abuse, mm-hmm. um, social abuse, mm-hmm. sexual abuse, neglect, verbal. Mm-hmm. Verbal, verbal abuse, you know, and, and it's like... How do you like how as a counselor, how do you keep it together? Because Ooh. because it's like you, you every day, every day. It's a battle. Doing, like, you know, have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered that about me, Fatu? Yeah. Like where you're only one person and you're one person that has complicated, complex issues. Mm-hmm. Right. But you're only one out of maybe the hundreds that hundreds shows up at your door and every day every day us as counselors have to go into the holes mm-hmm. go into the ditches yep and with dig these, out with these students yep. and, and deal with these issues with them together and you know how taxing that can be to you guys yeah. on us Right. So how do you guys keep it together, you guys, and not let it affect you? Hennessy. <laughs> what? No, no. no, no <laughs> I'm about to no, say, I'm wait. Like, no, 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 no. Jack. No. no <laughs> Crown Royal. No. Um, I, I don't know. I, You know, honestly, I, I think the calling that's on my life mm. keeps me equipped. Mm. And sure, I could lose it. Like, I, I, there's moments where my wife will tell you. There's moments... He'll tell you where I'm just, my mind is just so overwhelmed mm-hmm. with what I'm picking up mm-hmm. from students. It's to a point now where I can discern what's happened. Like, I know just based off of language, behaviors, and like mannerisms, what has happened to you. Or something has happened or to you. Or something has happened to you. Sure. And probably 90% of the time, I'm right. And that's scary because that's almost every student that I've encountered. Almost every one of them. But but so what's even uh, yes? So it's scary and unfortunate, but it's fortunate in this in another vein. It's fortunate enough that you it's care enough to exactly to, to pick me. it up. That's why I said it's a it's it's not a coincidence yeah. as to Clear why no. myself, Tamara, the Jocelyns of the world, the Keith Fulchers of the yep. world, Najee, yep. the the, uh, Shelley. the Shelleys, you know what I'm saying? Who the 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 you know who have these platforms where it's open access. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you come to us and, you know... We just you, open our it's, arms. It's a, there's been plenty of times where, like, students such as yourself that have come to my office and will just sit there. Mm-hmm. Because, it, because it is a warm environment. Yeah. It is a place where they get an opportunity to lay their burdens down. Just recently, recently, I just had a student come to my office and did not say a word. You know what they did? They cried. Mm. Curled up in a ball and went to sleep mm, on the couch. But so, so talking about that in the clip that we just watched with the coach in Oregon, how many other faculty persons missed him in his signs? How many other persons that that scholar, our scholar here, how many of their teachers, RAs, RDs, CDs, friends missed them? And found you. Mm-hmm. So what happened if Fred was sick? The babies were sick. What happened if there was no Fred? That's a great question. Here's a better one, though. Okay. Hey. What about those students who don't have nobody to go to? And that's and, and they about, end up right. like that. What about those students? Not only do they not have anywhere nobody to go to, but you walk past them every day and they put a smile on their face. But something deep down inside is wrong. Something ain't right. Something ain't something ain't holding up, mm-hmm. right? And I'm I'm not talking about those introverts that just naturally just are quiet, quiet. folks. I'm talking about folks that smile on your face. They they they. they 
They seem like they got it all together, but deep down inside, they don't. And they fearful of telling you or being vulnerable Mm -hmm. and being transparent with you because they don't want to be judged. They don't want you to judge them by what has happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know students who have fallen deep into depression mm-hmm. where we'll be like, listen, I'll walk you over to Weigel myself. And they're yeah. like, I don't want to go there. And I'm like, well, why not? Why not? And it was like, I'd rather be right here with you and I'd rather talk with you. Right. And I'm like, well, I'm not a, I'm not a cl- clinician. clinician. You know, I was like, I think what you might be going through, you might need to seek some further professional help. It's yeah. like, no, you're just enough. Mm-hmm. And you're just so, enough. And it might go back to again the scenario that Fatu shared, right? Because within our communities, one, we have been told numerous times, verbally, non-verbally, and through other cues, that going to see a counselor or getting professional help is things that we do not do. So you and I and the Jocelyn's and the Najas and the Shelleys and the Yannick's, et cetera, et cetera, the key folks of the world is like the uncle, the aunt. And it's like me just, they just talking to us and it's not seen as counseling, but in actuality it is it's therapy. Right. It what, is therapy. What are some of the triggers that we're missing? I think you've kind of briefly like mentioned it, but, um, Unhealed trauma was one like childhood. Right, trauma. but there's a but there's a trigger. Mm. Like what? Like trigger meaning like you see something. Everybody's triggers are different. Right, yeah. they're different. So I, there's not. What are some of the triggers you've seen? Well, I know language is a trigger. As a matter of fact, because it, it showed up in my class on last year, the fall of 2018, we did a beautiful project. Um, it's called "Guess Who's Coming to Dinner." Kind of my nod to Sydney Portier. Um, and I, the scholars have to indicate three leaders that they would ask to lunch or to dinner, to brunch. And in this is an imaginative space. They can say, I'd have brunch in Milan. I'd be on the mountain. I'd be at my grandmother's house. I'd be, you know, somewhere in Ghana, whatever, whatever. This is what we eat. And they have to indicate who they would bring to the table, why they brought those persons to the table, and what questions they want to ask them. And the person could be deceased or alive. They just can't be fictional characters. And one of the young ladies in my class, I talk about, this is this would probably be my example for, I don't know when, she brought her triggers to dinner. And one of her triggers is the word bitch. Whoa. It was so, when I tell you it wasn't a dry eye in that class, there's some grown people that don't even know their triggers. So triggers look very different. It could be a song because it could have been the song that was playing when that person was being fondled or raped, right? Yeah. It could be, um, you know, Speaking a scent. That, I have an example. Right, it could be a scent. You know, you remember, oh my goodness, it could be a word, it could be a book, it could be a multitude of things. Tisha so. Campbell. Yes. As we know as Gina from my yep. right, recently came out and she was talking about how um, when she was young, she was a girl, she was sexually abused mm. by, I think like an, um, I don't, I, I think like a babysitter or something. Okay, right, and um, sh- the smell of Crisco. Mm-hmm. Reminds her instantly. Reminds her because he had to use Crisco on her. Because she was so... Mm, right. She was so... And every time she smells it, it's a trigger. She starts crying. She mm. says she can't be around it. Nobody in her family deep. cooks with it. Like, nobody... Anybody that is around... Like, nobody can have that because it's... Mm. It brings back that memory. Yep of what has happened. There's this um, um there's this thing in our brain. It's called the uh the amygdala or something like that. I amygdala. Know, the amygdala. The amygdala, right? And it is a receptor that stores all of the memory, right? 
And what happens is, is that every time something comes up, right? The amygdala reminds you of that memory. Reminds you of that experience. And not only does it remind you, but it 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 prevents you from moving on from it. Right. So like if you have a negative experience with boxing because you got knocked out, when you see someone like, you know, play fighting, it brings you to a a place where it's like, yo, like I I don't ever want to do that again because I remember I got knocked out. Right. And, And that and for me bringing it full circle and talking about the ways in which we decompress. That's why I start my day the way that I do. I take care of my mind because we all have triggers. We all have experienced some form of trauma, some form of damage, some form of verbal, you know, abuse, something in our lives. Not one person is exempt from that. And so we have to replace those memories with something positive or it keeps bringing us back. How do they say the mind is a it is a terrible thing to waste, but it's also beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful that it could rape you over and over again because that image continuously to permeate your space. Yeah. So if you're not replacing those images with positive and not making peace with those trespasses and the ways in which people have betrayed you, you can live in, again, prison in your mind. Yeah. I'm, as we're talking now, there's a lot of things in my mind that is coming back yeah. to me about things that have happened to me, things that I've done, you know, yeah. it, you know, and it's, it's, it's traumatizing. It is. And it's funny because like you try to put the trauma away, yeah, try to put it away, lock it in a box, don't want it to come out, but eventually it's still there. Something will happen. Imagine all these students, there's millions of things mm-hmm. that I probably could have done said, right. To, to a student not knowing that it triggered a memory, right? Like, for example, I had one student who's a first year that came up to me and she said, you remind me of my uncle. Uh Uh-oh. And I was like, I was like, is that a good thing, bad thing? Right, hold on. Right, hold on. Which uncle? What you mean? Like, like, Uncle Tay-Tay? Uh-oh. Uncle Earl? Right. Like, who Like who we talking about? And she was just like, and she just started crying. And I was mm. like, are you okay? And I was like, what, you know? And she was like, no, you remind me of my uncle because my uncle was the only person that cared about me. Mm. And I lost him. Mm. So I, that's the reason why I come to right. you. Right. Because I come to you because you remind me of him. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Or I've also had, like, students get triggered by, like, the things that I would say. And they would say, don't say that no more. And I'd be like, well, why not? Yep, language is language is huge. Why not? You know, oh, because my boyfriend said the same thing to me and I lost him. Mm-hmm. And it makes me upset. Yeah. And that's and, and so one of the things for me in these spaces, because I'm fully aware, as you are fully aware, that mental health issues and disorders are significantly on the rise and in higher education as well. And again, some documented, some not in terms of, you know, some of them are taking their medication and some not. And there's so many you never know. I spend the first few weeks just building community. We talk about what's your name? Who are you? What's important to you? And what do you know for sure? And we get to build that tribe and that community and that team. So in the event when we get to start, when we begin talking about provocative topics, when we begin disagreeing with one another, Fatu knows that just because we're disagreeing with one another, that means what we have to be disagreeable and we're doing it with love and compassion and we're doing it for the sake of being better intellectuals. Yeah. Right. But you have to build that space and if you don't build that space you don't build that solid foundation I'm not gonna say anything because you're gonna say something I'm gonna I'm gonna knock you out because I already think you coming for me yeah. but if we have again the commonality if we have the camaraderie have the cooperation in communication then we can begin healing what do you think about religion when it comes to mental health issues because there's because you know like we mentioned before 
Go sit your ass down and go pray to Jesus. Mm. <laughs> That's all you need. You know, God going to tell you something. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, or go and pray to Allah, you know, and he'll take it all away and all this other stuff. You know, like, wh- where does the idea of religion and mental health come into play? Now, to some degree, some folks, God is the ultimate counselor. You know, I'm an advocate for that. Like, you know, but I also know that the reality is, is that, you know, sometimes you need to talk to someone, Mm -hmm. you know, or you need to do something to deal whatever it is that you're dealing with, you know? So why do you think that we have been cultured or conditioned to rely on religion to solve a mental case I think it goes back to us being that's a deep question I think it goes back to us being enslaved because that was the one of the things that was used um, against us you know by the slave owners we live in a patriarchal society and they used the Bible against us and saying you know what the Bible said and because of the Bible this and because of the Bible that and then we believed wholeheartedly, single-handedly, you know, in this being that they shown to us to be this white, blue-eyed man when it says that he has feet of clay and hair of wool. Sound like a black man to me, but I don't know, I'm not the sharpest knife in a drawer. And I believe that in some instances, we've been sold a bill of goods when it comes to, again, the soul um, space of religion. I believe that there is a higher being, and that's why I call it the universe. But I lean more on the notion of spirituality than religion because religion is practice. A spirituality is lived mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. I personally think that it's because, how do I word this? That. all the hardships and traumas and things that we go through in life will be justified in the afterlife. Cause I know like some religions do believe like, you know, um, once you die, you know, go to heaven, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So with my mother, like my mother's very religious. So, um, I, she uses religion as a way to just kind of calm herself down and say like you know all the things that I'm going through will be will pay off in the end I guess it's just that idea you know I kind of share the sentiment with you Tamara with regards to slavery you know it was recently said in another podcast that I was listening to where the black man has been conditioned to protect their slave owner because when they are praying to God, they're praying to a white, blue-eyed man who was their slave owner. And translate that into um, the present or even in like current conditions, right? When you pray and you're praying to this God who is supposed to be this white, blue-eyed golden haired figure right pretty much you're praying that your oppressor will take care of you that you you know you're praying that your oppressor will keep you in Safe. good graces mm-hmm. so you relate that to health issues right like I'm praying that my oppressor who is a white man right is going to take care of me so now I'm going to like even when you go to a doctor you go to a doctor and you pray before, you know, you see this white guy coming in, right? You feel kind of comfortable because this white guy is going to take care of me because that white guy is a visualization of your white Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Um, let me make it very clear. I am a believer in the one God. I am. I am a believer. However, I'm no fool. I'm not stupid. You know what I'm saying? Um, I do think that when it comes to mental health and religion, there is a fine line. Because one, 
I don't like really talking about that stuff, but I have to pose this question because what bothers me the most is the fact that our people have been conditioned to believe that when you pray to this white God, this person is going to take care of you. And then so and, and let's talk about this, because this is a whole nother um, topic as well. We can be here again all night. So we've been conditioned you know, they say, you know, pray to God, um, you know, the Bible, you know, this and this is, you know, the only way. And when you think about the cats that wrote the Bible, they weren't even around when Jesus was around. And we all know Jesus was a Jew. So why are we Christian? Like I just the, the inconsistencies really just blow my head when you look at Christmas and the Christmas tree. They stole it from the pagans. So, you know, but you going somewhere else. Y- y- right. So you heaven going and hell was stolen from the Egyptians. Exactly. So everything the was scale, stolen. Right. The, the scale of good and bad. Everything. So it, even the red, the colors red and green around the Christmas time. But nonetheless, so we're we are. This great, ain't a talk about religion. Y'all. It's not a talk about religion. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Um, we're talking about given the soul space of how to deal with the complexities of our life with our ancestors because of the slave ownership, because of being enslaved, because of the trauma, because of the work, because of the bifurcation that was created between us, because we couldn't get married. Church was the only thing that they'd had allowed us, allowed us to have. We had to sneak to get married. That's why we jump in the broom. We couldn't read. So if we were taught, we were to sneak and do that. And we've taken that on and believing that that's the only way for us to take care of ourselves mentally in that space when they go to counseling every other day. Right. Do you, um, I have so many questions about mental health. I really do. Um, we ain't gonna be able to talk about them all. We're not, we're not, we're not, but, um, there's to be so a part many, two. There's so many different layers to mental health conditions. Like, and we're talking about it only in a sense of traditional students. What about those non-traditional students who have kids? Mm. You know what I'm saying? That live on campus. Like, for an example, there's young ladies on campus today who have kids, and not only are they full-time moms, they're full-time students, and they're dealing with postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Or postpartum psychosis. That's a real thing. How do they keep it all together? Yep. Or depression. While doing right, while doing this school thing, you know, school is hard. Yeah, it is. It's intended to be difficult. It's not a cakewalk, right? It wasn't never supposed to be. It's not designed that way. But that's why I am an advocate when it comes to you have to develop a support system. Indeed. You have to develop this community, right? Nobody should be able to, nobody should want, if prevented, to do this alone. Because I don't think it's healthy, especially in the time that we're in now. It's not healthy for you to do something this stressful by yourself. You need someone to help you. Those of you who are out there who feel like you can't have anybody come to me. Yeah. Come to Tamir. Come, come to, to some come to see us. Because you can't do all I'm not saying like cast all your burdens on me. I am not the Christ. I'm not the the holy one. I'm not him. But you, if you if there's something going on, what we're saying is say something to say self. Something. Say something to someone. Because you are valued. I'll leave you with this message and Tamir Fatu, you can, you know, please by all means uh add to it. All of you are valued. Mm -hmm. All of you have worth and purpose. In my class, for the last three, four years that I've been teaching it, okay, one of the messages I always encourage is the fact of the gift of purpose, Mm -hmm. right? When you feel that you don't have any purpose, Mm. I believe that's when the mental health issues begin mm. to arise and then it leads to disorders. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because of that absence of worth and value 
there's no expectation on your life. So you're just living your life fast yeah. and full, you know, just whatever, you know. But that's a lie. It is. Everybody that is in this earth has a divine purpose, I believe. Oh, absolutely. Okay? Hands down. At least you have the potential to have a divine purpose. You know, people on this campus, I've even had other colleagues come to my office just to let loose. Mm. That's space. And these are professionals. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's a space. I just want you all to know that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be alone. You can, if you can't trust me, trust someone. Yep. I'm not asking for everybody to come to me or to Tamara or whatever. I'm just saying go to somebody. Because there there is someone out there that's willing to listen and willing to support. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You don't, absolutely. Last words. I think you said it. it. Yeah. Everybody has a purpose and it cannot be delegated and we need you. For real. It's your favorite campus uncle. It's Uncle Fred, man. And uh, I'm with my sister, the Liberated Project Chick. My sister in struggle, pain, and also in victory. And I'm here with the gifted, the lovely. Fatu. The the, the one that just conquered a fear. Fatu. And did wonderful. Fatu Mata. I am extremely honored and privileged that you agreed to do this with us today. You know, and uh, I know it wasn't an easy one. I thought you was going to crack earlier. I saw I saw a little twitching. I was like, oh, shit. I, I ain't twitched. Don't I said, do that. oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't right. to put oh, you boy. on blast. I was right? like, yeah. come you to commercial. Listen, too much. Come I didn't twitch, guys. <laughs> nah, but. We enjoyed you as but well. But we, we definitely enjoyed you, man. We enjoyed the space. And uh, this was a good conversation. It was. First of many, right? Indeed, indeed. Stay First up. Man. Stay up. Yeah, stay up, man. Stay blessed. Stay encouraged. You know, have that mustard seed, y'all. We out. Peace.